Many of you know, if you've been uh, coming the last few weeks to Redeemer, we've been, we've been going through the Gospel of John. We've specifically been looking at John chapter 7, where Jesus is opening himself up uh, to questions. And he's answering those questions from all sorts of different types of people. And he's answering those questions because... He wants all those different types of people. He he wants them to see him for who he is. He wants them to understand who he is as the Son of God and what he's come to do so that they would respond in faith and trust him and enter into this, this new way of living. This new way of being. And this morning, we're specifically going to look at uh, three verses. Jesus says two sentences. And then John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he gives this explanatory comment about what Jesus was talking about. You know, all all pastors, they they usually have a, a method of of how they put together their sermons, and it, it processes over the week, so to speak. And by Saturday, um, we're hoping that we're, we're done, right? And uh, what I do to make sure that uh, I think I'm done is I, I go out into my garage. I, I, I like my garage, and I, I just kind of read through my sermon and go through my points. And yesterday I was doing this, and Josie, I think she walked out to, to get the dog food, to feed the dog, and she asked me, how's your sermon going? And I said, good. It's an interesting sermon. There's only three verses. She kind of paused she said, you're going to get 30 minutes out of three verses? And I thought, I didn't say, but I thought, it's going to be more. Because there's so much in this passage uh, that, that we, won't even, we won't even touch upon it. We won't even touch upon the depth and the beauty of what it is for those people who respond in faith to Jesus Christ. So let me, let me begin before we read our passage. Let me just paraphrase it for you. Jesus says in this passage, if you are truly thirsty, meaning if you know you're, you have this great and deep, deep need then he says, come to me and drink. Or he says, come to me and I will meet your deepest of needs. And not only will I meet your need, but I will give you so much that it will supernaturally overflow from your being and enter into other people's lives. And all of your life will be different. Not only in the future, but today. So you know what we're going to talk about this morning? 
We're going to talk about what we've already sung about. We're going to ponder anew what the Almighty can do if with His love He befriend you. We're going to survey the wondrous cross on which which the Prince of Glory died, which is our our richest gain compared to that is loss. And on all our pride, we will pour contempt. We will, even as Kristen sung, see what it means to come to Jesus because he will never cast you out. Come, you thirsty, put aside your fear and your doubt. Because with gentleness, with great gentleness, he draws you. He draws you to himself. So let's read our passage this morning. Three verses. John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. You have it right there in front of you if you have a bulletin. Let me read God's word and let us listen. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were about to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Pray with me. Father, our our prayer... And my prayer this morning is that we would simply hear from you, that you would speak to us in a way that only you know we need. And I pray that you would open up the eyes of our hearts, that we would uh, meet anew with you in a fresh way, that we would understand who Jesus Christ is, that we would understand what he's done and as we come to an understanding of our Savior, would we drink from Him this morning? Father, would we drink from Him each and every day of our lives that we'd be filled up, that we'd live in Your presence, that we'd live with Your power, that You would work mightily in us Father, that you'd bring your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to do three things this morning. We're going to first, we're going to look at what it means to thirst and what it means to drink. To understand that if you are truly thirsty, you will drink. For those who are thirsty and for those who drink, we will see, secondly, that God will provide. God will provide more than you ever thought you needed. We're going to look at, in God's provision, we're going to talk about how He provides, how it works, and what it is He provides. And then, lastly, even as Matt introduced the reading of Ezekiel 47 in our Old Testament reading, we're going to see life with God. Because God's Spirit is poured out In the death and resurrection of his son and the same power that raises Jesus from the dead, it is available to us for those who believe. Thirsting and drinking. Our passage here begins with the last day of the feast. 
This is that feast that is celebrating God's provision and bounty. If you remember, the Jews had three annual feasts. And this is the last and this is the greatest feast. And, 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 and it lasted seven days. And each day, what would happen during this feast, the, one of the priests, they would take a golden pitcher. They would take it down to the pool of Siloam, a little spring. He'd fill that pitcher up with water. And then he would take that pitcher filled with water and he'd process through the people who were lining the streets. And the temple choir would be in the background and they would be singing about God's faithfulness. Be reminding the people in song, even as we did this morning, about how God had had taken them from the desert and brought them into a a new place. But, But they weren't simply thanking God for the past. In those songs, they were offering up prayers, asking God to continue to fulfill his promise. That one day in the future, they were begging God that that he would, like he promised, gather in people from all the nations and bring about his kingdom on earth in a visible, intangible way. They, they were grateful for what God has done. At least the, the, the feast was a celebration of, of remembering what God has done. But, but it was also a feast pointing to the promise that God said he was going to keep in the future. And after the feast is over and things start to settle down, <clears throat> Jesus stands up and And he cries out. He proclaims loudly. And he says, if anybody thirsts. In the context of these water rituals, he says, if anybody thirsts, come to me and drink. So are we thirsty? What does it mean to thirst? To figure out what it means to thirst, I think we need to understand what it means to need. And and the question that I want you to ponder this morning, and it shouldn't take you very long, is do you have needs this morning? And you all should be shaking your heads, yes. When I was a little boy, I needed to be fed. I needed a place to live. I needed people who would care for me and love me and take care of me. And then like you, we, we get a little bit older. But even as a younger man, I I needed good friends, right? Because I found out very quickly that when I hung around bad friends, I didn't do the things that I needed to do. So my mother always told me, you need some good friends, and she was right. I needed an education. I got a little bit older, and after I got that education, I needed a job. And now I'm a little bit older, and I still need to work. I still need friends. I still need family. Needs change, but is it not true that we are always in need? I am in need. You are in need. We're all in need because we're human beings, and human beings are in need. And it's not wrong to need. It's human to need because we are created. We're, we're finite. We're not infinite. We, we will always be in need of something more than ourselves. Realize that God alone is without need. 
realize as Christians, even when Jesus Christ returns, we will still always be in need of him. But just because we're needy, it doesn't mean we're thirsty. Not in the way that Jesus Christ is talking about it here. Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. And realize this, to thirst is not only to recognize that we are in need, we must understand if we are thirsty, our need can only be met by God. That's why Jesus says, if you are thirsty, come to me. And, and what's fascinating is this passage takes place after masses of people have come to him and listened to him, and at the end of the day, they were hungry, and they needed bread. So what does Jesus do? He miraculously feeds over 5,000 people because they were hungry. They needed bread. They were in need. And Jesus knew that they were in need, and he was concerned about those needs. But do you realize what happened the next day? Can we have some more bread? And Jesus says, no. Because I am the bread of life. Eat of me. Bread is important, but as he knew from the book of Deuteronomy, man does not live simply by bread alone. He did it a few chapters before with a woman at the well. She was thirsty. She needed water. He knew she needed water, but he ultimately talked about the water that would come from him that would quench her thirst so that she would never thirst again. She didn't simply need water. She needed something more. Needing is human. Thirsting isn't simply needing something. Thirsting is recognizing we need more than we think we need, and we can never get it on our own. Can I say that again? Thirsting isn't simply needing something. Thirsting is recognizing you need more than you think you need, and you can never get it on your own. Are you thirsty? We're all in need. The question here is, are you thirsty? We were talking about this passage. Most of you know by now that have attended Redeemer any time whatsoever that on Wednesday mornings before uh, the Sunday that we're going to preach in our, in our staff meeting, we spend most of the time talking about the passage. And Liz Sherrod, who is uh, your nursery director or coordinator, who is in need for nursery workers, by the way, Liz says, you can tell what you think you need by what you spend most of your time praying for. I thought that was a really powerful statement. You can tell what you think you need most by what you spend most of your time praying for. And then we were reminded that everybody prays. You may pray to yourself. You may pray to some unknown force out there. You may not pray that often, but there are certain times in your life where you've prayed. Hopefully you're praying to the only one who can actually answer your prayers. But the question is, 
What do you think you need most? What are you praying for most? The problem is you realize that we don't always know what we need, what we think we need, right? We don't always know what it is we need most. In fact, many of us have very conflicting needs, don't we? I want to, I want to, I won't go there. I I meet people who are in need. I meet people who want to have that need met. But they're not thirsty. Because they think they can get it on their own or they think they can get it from somebody else. You're only thirsty in the sense that Jesus uses the word here. If you know that nothing or nobody can give you what you ultimately need other than the God of Scripture. Jesus here is saying, yes, you have many needs and some of those needs are even valid needs. But your greatest, most deepest need is me. And without me, you really have no clue about what your other needs are. And unless you get your most important need met, you are simply shooting in the dark with the rest of your other needs. And that's why Jesus says, if you are thirsty, if you know that, that even the needs that you think you have are not your ultimate needs, then he says, come to me and drink. He says, I want to meet your deepest need. And drinking here is believing. Believing and trusting in him. He's already said in John chapter 6 that eating is believing. And now here he's saying that drinking is believing. And realize that that at the end of this feast, after several days throughout John chapter 7, Jesus has been answering all these questions from all sorts of different types of people. People just like us sitting here today. And he's answering these questions so that they would realize that they don't know what they think they know and they don't have what they need to have in order to live life as it was intended to be. So Jesus basically is saying here, if you think you've got this on your own, then you're not going to come to me and drink. But if you recognize your weakness and your inability, then you're at a place to see who I am. You're at a place to see what I've come to do. So drink of me, trust me, believe me, and I will quench your thirst. So thirsting and drinking... Are you thirsty? Are you drinking? Then he says in verse 38, he says, Whoever believes in me, even as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Let me, let me be more literal here. Whoever continues to drink of me from his innermost being, out of his belly, will flow continuous rivers of living water. If you're thirsty, you will drink. If you drink, I will provide. That's what God says. When you come to Jesus Christ with your thirst and you drink, it is so good. It is so abundant. 
It is so powerful and so much more than you can ever imagine that it overflows, that pours forth out of your being and into the lives of other people. This is God's provision. Come to me and drink. From out of you will flow continuous rivers of living water. If you recognize not only that you are in need, but those needs, those ultimate needs can only be bent by God. And if you go to God in the person of Jesus Christ, not only will your deepest needs be met, but what God gives overflows out of you and you become a blessing to other people. And, and let me explain how this happens. You've got to pay attention here. This is... Drinking of Christ places us in a context of security and peace that reorders and reprioritizes what we need and what we think we need so that we are then free and empowered to serve other people so much so that we will begin to enjoy being in need because when we realize we're in need, we will go to Christ and Christ will fill us up. And he changes us from the inside out. So when we drink of Christ, he, he actually moves us from the place we are into another place of security and peace that will, that will change our understanding of our needs, reorder um, our valid needs, so that we are then free and empowered to serve other people of what Christ gives us, and it's nothing less than his blessings and benefits. See, needing Christ leads you to drinking of Christ, and Jesus Christ is so good, you will enjoy your neediness because what you get is so much better than you ever imagined that over time, over years... As you drink, you see more and more of who Jesus Christ is. You understand more and more of what Christ has done. And it changes you from the inside out so that you are so different and so safe that you become a person that other people want to be around. You realize in, in Psalm 37... When the psalmist says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. He doesn't mean that if you love God most, you'll get everything that you want. Doesn't even mean you'll get everything that you think you need. It means that if you love God by trusting Christ, you will drink from Christ and he will change you. He meets your ultimate needs. He fills you up. He satisfies you. And over time, the things you thought you once needed, they take their proper place. And listen, your whole life is reordered according to God who is reality and a person. And it all comes from drinking of Jesus and then when you drink of Jesus, you'll be able to start making sense of your other needs. And unless you get your deepest spiritual needs met by Christ, you will never make sense of your other needs. You know what those needs are? There's no man or woman, boy or girl alive today that does not need to be forgiven. 
our selfishness, our pride, our desire to want more than we have or be more than we are has led us into all sorts of broken relationships, led us into harmful words and hurtful actions, not only to other people, but to God himself. You realize even even our misunderstanding of what we think we need has led us so often into disastrous circumstances and situations. Do you realize that? Most of the time when I sin, I think I need something that I don't necessarily need, and I'm going to go out and get it any way I can, and it's usually wrong. And I need to be forgiven. You need to be forgiven. We all need to be forgiven. And Jesus here says, if you thirst for, not just need forgiveness, but thirst for forgiveness, knowing that that you can't get ultimate forgiveness that ultimately matters from anybody else, then you will come to me and you will drink. And the beauty of this is he will quench your thirst by giving you forgiveness forever and you are now free. You are so forgiven that you can now forgive other people even when they don't think they need it. Because you've been forgiven by the only one that can ultimately forgive. Do you need forgiveness? It's not only that. We need to be made right. We need to be justified. I wasn't going to use that word because we're good Presbyterians and we think we all know the definition. Many of us do know the definition of justification, but we need to be justified. And let me, let me have you think of it in these terms. Do you realize so much of our lives are about self-justification? Do you realize that? We say things like, oh, it's not my fault. I really need you to know that it wasn't my fault. So let me explain to you why I did what you did, what I did. That's self-justification. Or I I do this one. I wouldn't have done that if you wouldn't have done this. That's self-justification. It points to our need to be okay, to be right. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be declared right. And Jesus here is saying, come to me because I am the only truly righteous one. And the only one that can give you righteousness in this way that you need is me. And when Jesus Christ gives you his righteousness, you know what happens? We no longer have to be afraid of what other people think of us. We no longer have to be worried about whether or not we have to say, I'm sorry. In fact, it makes it easy to say, I'm sorry, because we don't have to justify ourselves anymore. We no longer have to protect ourselves. We, we no longer have to pretend. Have you ever been in a setting or a situation where you could just be who you were and it was good because you didn't have to put on airs. You didn't have to pretend to be something that you weren't. We need to be justified. Jesus says, I declare you not guilty. You are good. But some of us think that means that we don't have to change. Right? Haven't you met the people there? Hey, that's just the way I am. Get used to it. That's not drinking of Jesus. Because drinking of Jesus, he says, I am holy, so you be holy. 
You are now free to struggle to be holy. You are now free to change. Because Jesus comes when you drink from him and he pours his holiness in us so that we want to be good, so that we want to serve our neighbors, so that we don't want to be selfish, so that if we understand that there is something wrong with us, we want to be different. And Jesus is making us different because we are drinking from him. You see, Christ doesn't leave us as we are, but he promises. He says, keep drinking from me and I will keep giving you me. And the more you get of me, the more you will be like me. And that's just scratching the surface. Do you need forgiveness? Do you need to be declared right? Do you, do you need to change? Not only that, but those things come through you and pour through you so that other people see it and you can bless your family, your friends, and your neighbors. Rivers of living water flowing from us is nothing less than the benefits and blessings of the person of Christ working through us. This is why we heard several times already today, if you've been in Sunday school, that Jesus Christ is our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. thirsting and drinking and as you drink God provides in abundance and you and you experience having your deepest needs being met so that you change from the inside out and over time and over years God continues to work because you continue to drink and he pours out from you this is nothing less than life with God. Life as it was intended to be. Life as it will be perfectly and completely when Jesus Christ returns. You see, thirsting is, is not simply knowing that you're needy, but, but thirsting is knowing that your need can only be met by the person of Christ. So a thirsty person will go to Jesus. A thirsty person will drink from Jesus because he believes in Jesus. He trusts Jesus. And he continues to do so so that it overflows from our lives, from our bellies, from our hearts. And then John says this in verse 39. He, Jesus, he said this of the Spirit which those believing in him were about to receive, for not yet was the Spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. He said this of the Spirit, which those who believing in him were about to receive, for not yet was the Spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Listen, this doesn't mean that the Spirit was not in existence. It doesn't mean that the Spirit was not at work in the world. If you read Genesis, you'll know that the Spirit was hovering over the earth. It doesn't mean that the Spirit wasn't work in the lives of people in the Old Testament. What John means here, inspired by God's Spirit himself, is that the Spirit, by virtue of God's Son, Jesus Christ, and his work on the cross... That spirit brings in the coming age of eternal life in the here and now, and we can experience it in a new and powerful way, unlike ever before. You see, something radically changes when Jesus Christ goes to the cross. 
Are you listening? God doesn't change. The Spirit doesn't change. But we now know Him in a more personal way because of the work of Christ. And because of the work of Christ, rivers of life are pouring through us, which is God's Spirit at work, uniting us to the resurrected Savior and all the things that belong to Christ and all the things that, 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 that He bestows, they are given to us. That's why John says Jesus was speaking of the Spirit because Christ had not been glorified. You realize for, for John, glory is the cross and glory is the resurrection and glory is the ascension because it's at the cross and the resurrection where Jesus Christ is declared to be the Son of God in power. It's at the resurrection where Jesus didn't declare to be the Son of God at the resurrection. He always was the Son of God. But if you've been going to community group, you'll know that the resurrection, Jesus is now the Son of God in power, not in humiliation. He has been raised from the dead. He now sits at the right hand of God the Father. He's not a humble servant, but a reigning king. And by faith in him, all that is his is ours, and all that is ours is his. And everything that God the Father says about Jesus the Son, he says about you and me who drink from him. Listen, when we talk about rivers of living water, we're not talking about being a savior to other people. We're not talking about being personally fulfilled. The point is being a person who continually rejoices that he knows he's in need and he can rejoice in his need because Jesus Christ meets all his deepest longings and they overflow out of us because God is that big. Jesus is that real. So look, you do realize in the context of this passage, some people are attracted to Jesus and some people turn their backs. If you don't think you need to be forgiven, you can't drink from Christ. If you don't think you need to be made right, you're not going to drink from Christ. You're going, to be, you're going to try to make yourself right some other way. If you don't need to be loved and accepted for who you are, then you won't drink from Christ because you'll try to do that in all sorts of other ways. If you're simply happy with the way you are, regardless of how that hurts other people, then you won't drink from Christ because you're not thirsty. I just have a hard time believing that there's anybody here in this room today that doesn't want these things. But if you do, then it can only come from Christ and by faith you go to Him and He gives you Himself. And because it's so much more than you possibly need, it flows out from you in different ways, right? We read Ezekiel 47. So at first, it's just a little stream. And then a little bit later, it gets up to your knees. And, 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 and a little bit later, it might come up to your waist. And, and it really doesn't matter where it gets to. 
Because one day it will pour forth and we will swim and all things will be made right. Because we will be with God, but we will always need God. If Christ has met your deepest need, then you have all that you need to give to others. If Christ has met your need and you are drinking from him, you are empowered to speak the truth of Christ even when you are afraid. If Christ has met your deepest needs, then you are free to struggle and free to go through suffering. And you will know that God is still for you. Is still for you. Look, even when you doubt and even with, when you're afraid, you take those doubts and you take that fear and you take them to Christ and you drink from Christ and he takes that fear and he transforms that fear and over time, he makes you new. You know, I wasn't going to use this quote, but I need to use it here. It's Tim Keller's quote. I've said it before. All you need is need. All you need is nothing. And most people don't have it. And I don't know exactly where many of you are right now with Jesus Christ. I don't know if, you, if you're aware that you are in need. I do wonder sometimes how thirsty many of us are. Because if we're truly thirsty, we'd be drinking But this I do know. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, has come in a new and powerful way because Jesus Christ has died, because Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. And he now sits at the right hand of God the Father and he is intercessing and applying his benefits and blessings to us as his people. And as we go to him and as we drink heavily from all that he provides, Over time, in a variety of ways, rivers of life will flow through us. Because in Christ Jesus, we have all that we need, much more than we need. And for those who drink, it will only get better. So brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, drink from Christ. If you don't know Christ Jesus... Go to him. You can, you can readily admit that you don't even know what you need. And he will pour forth his blessings of all that you need. Let's pray. Father, make us aware even now as we, as we prepare to come to the table. Think about what the Lord's Supper means. Remind us that we're not only in need, but the things that we need, we can't get on our own. Remind us that even as we come to the table, that we we eat and drink of Jesus Christ because He alone meets our deepest needs. Would you meet them now? And then afterwards, would we continue to go to you and drink heavenly, heavenly springs of water? Would you pour over us your spirit? Would you work even now among us? Would you remind us of your great provision in Jesus Christ in whose name we pray, whose life and death we hope, and we look forward to his coming again where all that we will need then is knowing and being with you. Amen.